I'm Ryan Durbin from RD Ceramics, and I'm located in Southgate, Kentucky. And I'm Becca Otis from Five Lines Pottery in Monroe, Washington. And welcome to Wheel Talk. Alrighty. All right. So we're live. Hello. Hi there. How's it going? Your day was a lot more exciting than mine. So yeah. I'll, do you want me to go first? Yeah, so you go you first. Can bookend it. All How right, was so, your day, Ryan? Um, it was it was good. It was kind of slow. Um, this is my first day back. We were on a weekend vacation in St. Augustine, Florida, for uh, Friday through Monday. So I just got back last night before pottery class, and yeah, today is just kind of first day back at work. And we're actually recording this earlier than normal. Um, normally, I'd be done with my pottery in the studio for the night, but we're just getting going. So I'll head to the studio after this. So. I wonder if this nice will help you be motivated because sometimes when I'm done with the podcast, I get motivated and then I go work. Oh, really? Well, yeah, you're, mm-hmm. you always get done at like eight o'clock or something like that. So uh-huh. you, get, you get a nice burst of time before your night's over. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out. How was your day today? All right. My day. We'll start with my weekend. My weekend was interesting. so i actually had a very good day and the reason is because they found my van that was stolen on sunday well we don't know when it was stolen because i don't see the van every day because my work van i'm not in leavenworth anymore so i didn't really need it my friends had used it on tuesday and parked it in the alley behind my office and then which is not where my shop is and then um I went out there and I like drove back there on Sunday and I was like, where's my van? <laughs> and it was like Sunday at like, or Monday, I suppose at 1am. And, um, so, uh, it turns out somebody took it, uh, and that was a super bummer. And of course man. me and my, you did the police report and all that stuff. Yeah. I called the police. And at first I was like, did I lend it to somebody? (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember giving it to anybody. And so then yesterday I shared it on Facebook at like 1 a.m. And it got like, I think it was shared like 90 times. Holy crap. Or like 100 times. That's how we should start advertising our businesses. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I'll look at how many times it was shared. And then... Uh, I, let's see. And then it was 106 shares. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. And that's just on Facebook. That's just on Facebook. And then I did it. it on Instagram too. And, um, and then this morning there was, so ironically, the cop that took my statement drives this back road from Snohomish to Monroe every day to get to work, and he was driving it, and he was like, oh, hey, there's the van. (laughs) It was just on the side of the road at a boat launch, and so, um, you know, I went, he actually ended up coming and picking me up, and, sorry, and then took me to where it was, and they were like, uh, do you know who this is? Because they had the picture. There was a guy sleeping in it. 
Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, because it, it's like decked out or whatever yeah. where you can sleep in it because it was the one you used at Leavenworth. Well, it was empty. It was basically empty. So, and I had my, my like sleeping cushions in there. And, uh-huh. um, which that was what Andrew was really bummed about because he was like, those cushions were so expensive. Oh. <laughs> and because I got them for a good deal because I knew the um, vendor, but they would it would have been like $400 in, in these really nice cushions. And, um, anyway, so they show me the picture and I'm like, uh, yes, I know who that is. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I should say that Ryan hasn't heard this story yet. Yeah. So I was like, oh, God, I was like, yeah, that's isn't that. And I was like, you know, when you are like, so hoping it's not somebody and it is somebody you like, look, I like looked at his picture and I was like, no, like it can't be, you know, Mm. and um and so it's not somebody that you that you see frequently it's right that you remember from like a past experience with them and then well we live in a pretty small town so it's an okay. it's an acquaintance as you will and gotcha. um well not like tiny tiny but anyway so uh it was an acquaintance and then we kind of like it was funny because i said that and the cops like oh the plot thickens <laughs> and because you get well did he stop there and like i guess he found out who it was and he already did his his work before coming and getting you like he got the guy out of it and no but he did a lot of work of while i was there like on his computer like searching things oh. and like cause i was like what did he oh um so they said have you ever seen him and i was like yes and then they said, and you never let him use your van? I was like, no. And he said that he had borrowed it um, from somebody. Mm-hmm. And then I, uh, and so he, you know, he didn't. And they said that that's usually a, a common story. Like, oh, I borrowed it from a friend. And they had a key that was a Dodge Ram key, but it wasn't my key. And it fit in the ignition. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> so it, there was no, but I mean, that's kind of a blessing too, because there was no damage to oh, the ignition, okay. which can happen. Yeah, I was going to ask you if there was a bunch of wires out and no, all that and stuff. also the car, um, so I have an RV battery switch and I turn it usually, but I usually just leave it in the van and I should have taken it and then they would never would have been able to steal it. But, um, it, you know, so... They had had to have opened up the hood, found the switch, turned the switch, and, like, known what it was. And then, Mm -hmm. um, but, so, anyway, now I I go, and they're like, well, there's a bunch of stuff in there that's not, like, he's like, you can see what's in there. And he, there's, like, (laughs) there's, like, a, a snowboard, uh... Um, a metal detector, some laundry detergent, some like pants, oh, wow. you know, and, and so I think that he just needed a place to go, you know, and yeah. that was his solution. I don't know for sure. So, um, but uh, you got it back. I got it back. Everything's fine. Do they like clean it out and stuff mm-hmm. or that's get rid your, of it or that's they're your... just like, all right, it's all yours and you've got everything that's in it. Right. And, um, 
I talked. Do they to ask you to press charges and stuff too? I don't. I don't know for sure if I will. Okay. They did take him hmm. in, so I don't. I haven't decided yet what's going to happen. Um, yeah. uh, they did take him in, and um, so and somebody advised me not to go through the van until I have proper attire because. Um, oh, like there could be like there's a, a history of something. Of, that... Yeah, of drugs and stuff. So I haven't gone through it yet. So. Um, okay. Yeah. So hopefully. It's... What an interesting day and weekend. At least so you found interesting. it. Or somebody found it. I also got a high roller this weekend too. It was like a high and then a low and then a high and then a low. A high roller. Like you sold like a hundred pieces or something to somebody. No. <laughs> <laughs> A high roller slab roller. Oh, slab roller. <laughs> the- <laughs> I thought you meant somebody with big bucks just came in and gave you a bunch uh, of money. <laughs> no, the, <laughs> the high, original high roller. Oh, that's great. Which I never associated with until now, which I absolutely love. I'm going to have to start <laughs> saying that. Shoot, man. Um, oh, also, right. I wanted to say... That, um, because this was like, you know, a person in town, um, I think that it, uh, I just kind of had like a, a realization this week or that today that like, you know, I already knew this kind of, but you know, when, uh, you have a kid that is full grown cause this guy's in his like, you know, thirties, I mean, that, that just is so hard on parents and like um I think that like a mom or a dad always thinks that it's their fault that their kid is like in drugs or did something bad and mm-hmm. uh it's like I just think that's such a bummer and it's it must be I just my heart goes out to to all the parents that are dealing with with kids with, with drug issues and like you know also with mental issues because man that's like that's tough I just kind of like got a a little bit of a firsthand glimpse of it, you know, today. Right. Did you actually meet the the guy? I I've met him, but not. Well, did you meet him like when all this happened? Mm -mm. They took him away. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It just drugs. Drugs suck. That's it. That is all. Right. All right. Cool. So what are we talking about today? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Ryan. Oh, so somebody messaged me. Oh, great. Let's see if I can find it. I can find it. It had so can't. many messages. Can I text it to you? I've got it. Okay, somebody messaged so... me on the Instagram. Yeah, Becca got something on Instagram. Oh, here it is. That, um... Yeah, we can read it. It said, I had a question. Could you well, and Ryan maybe it's from share... Hill, it's from Hill City Ceramics. Hill City Ceramics, yes. Could you and Ryan maybe share how you guys mix your own glazes? Not like, don't give me your recipes or combos, but maybe share some resources that helped you guys become confident glaze mixers. If it's not enough material to go on about in a podcast, don't worry, I'll keep trucking on, but it would be so cool just to hear how you went through that process. I'm excited for it's this, really... honestly. Yeah, it's... I think that that's part of a process that people just get really scared about that I feel like it's overrated a little bit. Yeah. Like you shouldn't be that scared. 
So like, true. You don't have to be a mad chemist or whatever. Mm-mm. You could be like a mad chemist. You I almost be failed like chemistry. Totally hands off. You could be like, I know how to follow a cooking recipe. Right. So I know how to follow this. Like, it's really just following steps. Yeah. And um, you know what? Some of the best, um, some of the biggest mistakes that we've had in my studio have become some of the best glazes, honestly. Yeah, as long as you document like what you're doing, which I'm terrible at, to the best of of your ability. If you want to like keep track of the results, then like yeah. I think that's what's important. Yeah, as you're learning for sure. Yeah, as we've gone on, we've probably got a little more lax with our documentation and I'm sure um, test tiles and all that kind of thing. So yeah. Okay, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about glaze, baby. Let's talk about <laughs> chemistry. <laughs> I've been waiting for that my whole life. Um, okay, so here, I'll start with mine. When I, so, I don't know if a ton of you people know, but when I switched over, I was working in a community studio, kind of, where... Uh, production potter opened up his studio and there's like 70 students like a ton of students and um we had had like a tiny mini glaze workshop class that i barely listened through because i have the brain capacity of a squirrel and um but and also it had, i'd have a little bit of background in college um and i uh what I did was well, the first thing that I did was I got John Britt's glaze chemistry book, the Master and Cone Sixes, yeah, or mid range, mid range guide to mid range, yeah, yeah, guide to mid range. It's like the most famous glaze book that you can find, and I, I think, but I, I feel like that only came out like maybe six years ago or something yeah. like that, like f- five years ago. Maybe so it was pretty that. new when I got it, apparently. Yeah. So because I got it in. It was at least in 2014. I want to say even 2013. So, yeah. Um, mastering cone six glazes. Sorry, I lost Ryan there for a I second. Think. Okay, and um, I went home and I looked up all these glazes in this book that I wanted to make. Okay, like all of them. How did you just, look them up? Did you just look at the pictures and yeah. look at the test tiles? Base, yeah, because it's yeah. organized by color. Like, you don't have we don't have to be fancy about this. Like, we look at the colors and we're like, I need a blue or I need a yeah. green. And I was like, Oh, like, I'm gonna do that. And so then it has the recipes on there, and I got a notebook. By the way, I still have this notebook, and it is my glaze test notebook. And then I have a glazed recipe notebook. So the glazed test notebook, and I wrote down all the ingredients. I had no idea that kaolin was EPK. This was like back in the day when I didn't realize that, you know, different things were the exact same thing. Um, (laughs) And I wrote it all down, and I wrote out the measurements. And then I added them all up, all the measurements up that I wanted. So, like, I wrote down every single glaze, and then I added up all the measurements of every single ingredient. And then I went to the store, the glaze store, or clay store, and I went in and I got the tester tie, like, the tester amounts of each ingredient that I needed. 
and um which was what did you have to get at least like half a pound yeah you usually have to get half a pound or a quarter pound or something like that depending on the product and so um and i made sure that you know some some of the recipes called for a lot of ingredients so i made sure to add up everything so that i didn't get too little of some of them and i made sure to get a variety of glazes too actually ironically i never found a good white in John Britt's book. The white that I use is straight out of the internet. <laughs> and I have I can't remember straight out of the internet. straight out of the internet. I can't remember where I got it, but it's a fabulous white and I I've never had an issue with it. Anyway, mm-hmm. so um so I looked up all the things and then I went and then I just literally spooned out all uh, like used a spoon to measure out all of these recipes right. on a triple bean calculator. If you don't have a triple bean, just get a really, really good um, food calculator, or not or Digi- like, like a digital digital food you measurer. Calculator? I said calculator. Scale? I didn't mean that. <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> You're like I got my van stolen. Okay. <laughs> well, also, you thought uh, what did I said? I said I was gonna uh, my favorite animal is like a porcupine or something, and you thought it was puma. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we say a, stupid things. So versus a warthog. A warthog. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so then I measured them all out, and then I did get a tutorial on how to mix a little tiny tester glaze batch. Um, but essentially, all you got to do is dump a little water in there and mix it up. <laughs> and yeah. and people see it out, but I don't. So when you took your list to the store, how did you know how many grams or how I many pounds up. or whatever you should? No, no, no. How 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 did you know how much was enough for a test? I added it. I know, but did you just add it to a hundred and you just did a hundred grams? Because it's all percentages. Yeah. Just oh, for people. okay. What's that's a, a good, good point. What's a good guesstimate? Well, it's not. A, it's not percentages. With? Every single test glaze in the John Britt book is out of a hundred. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that's a percentage. How did you know how much was enough to test with? Because I only did 100 grams. That's it? Okay. Yeah, so I do tests in 100 grams. I do full batches in 10,000 grams. So. Right. Um, and that's about a five-gallon bucket. Uh, so, yeah. And yeah, 100 grams is going to give you maybe four ounces or something like that. Yeah, it's like tiny. That. Tiny. And it's, it's nothing, so. Yeah, like not even enough to like dump back into the big glaze bucket that you get. <laughs> and also, I've always kind of had this in my mind where like the test always comes out just a smidge different than the real glaze because it's so tiny. <laughs> like mm-hmm. who can find 0.02% of, uh, you know, bentonite? Right. But um, so, yeah. And so I did that. I weighed them all out and I put them in little plastic bags. And label them, and then I mixed them up with water later, and then uh, I put them in a tiny pinch pot, like a little bowl. And and I didn't glaze the outside; I only glaze the inside when I do tests. And oh, that's good. Yeah, I do it in a small bowl, and I've always um, been taught just to glaze the inside. So if it drips, then you know, <laughs> you know that it drips, <laughs> and so. Um, and if it gets ruined, it only ruins your little tiny pot. So um, put them in my kiln and fired it up. And then one of them completely dunted through the whole thing. It just fell apart. 
So I was like, well, that's out. And then a few other ones worked. And the one that happened to work was just a base. And then I ended up adding in a stain. And um, what's a base? Like, okay, so a base is essentially, oh, it would be like if you're making sugar cookies and you have a base for sugar cookies and then you're like, oh, I'm going to use the sugar cookie recipe and then add cinnamon and then you have snickerdoodles and then you're like, I don't know if this actually works like this, but because I don't bake, but, um, and then you're like, oh, I but I want to add peanut butter or something yeah, or another. But, oh, but or... maybe I'll take the sugar cookie recipe and add peanut butter. That's exactly what I did with my glazes. So I had one base and it was everything above the line. So if you go home and you look at your glaze recipes, um, if you go home and look at your glaze recipes, you'll see that there's always a line after and that the everything that adds up above the line adds up to 100 and everything below that is going to be an addition to your to your 100 percent so um usually below the line is your stain if you're going to use a stain and so i would just kind of sub out stains i ended up finding a recipe that i really enjoyed and um uh, is one... she going to say what it is? I know. <laughs> is she going to say what it is? Also, I'll tell you what it is. It's June Perry Red. Um, and I found that recipe and I really liked it. It works really well. And then one day I was mixing it up and it happened that my um, tin that I was using inside the recipe fell behind the freezer and I couldn't find it. And so... Ooh. That's an expensive colorant. $25, by the way, per Tin pound. oxide, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, back then it was 25 And I couldn't find it, and so I was like shit out of luck, and I ne- needed the glaze. And so I, because <laughs> this is who I am, I was like, well, <laughs> let's try something else. <laughs> and so I ended up putting in, uh, let's see, I like to think of glaze chemistry kind of like art. So I know that yellow iron oxide is essentially yellow, but it turns up kind of a brown. And I also know that cobalt is blue. So, um... Yellow iron oxide? Is that different than yellow ochre? Yes. Oh, okay. I've never heard of yellow iron oxide. So I yellow... just something new. Yeah, I've never actually seen it by itself, honestly. But I had some. I had some yellow iron okay. oxide because I think it was in a different recipe. And so I ended up, I was like, well, if I do like the majority of yellow iron oxide and then add in cobalt, maybe it'll turn green. (laughs) And so I took it and that's what I did. And it was my green for the longest time. It was such a good green. And then I was like, okay, well, if that worked, then I can just take out the yellow iron oxide and do blue. And so then I had a blue. Perfect. And then I was like, well, that worked. When you were testing these, did you do like a line blend with like three different Absolutely percentages not. of those colors? Okay. No. So you knew kind of like what range of no, intensity. No, I didn't just guess. <laughs> I knew you didn't, but <laughs> I figured I'd ask the question. <laughs> I just guessed. And then, went, and then I was like, oh, well, maybe I could do that and then do it just with red so now then i did one with iron and that's my copper brown so um i basically have one base for almost every single glaze that i have 
And that makes it nice because they, they fit yeah. well together. You know they're not going to step on each other's toes and, like, yeah. make it go crazy when you overlap them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I started out with a completely different, like, amount of glazes, you know, like or a completely different makeup of glazes, I suppose. So that's yeah. kind of how I started glazing, and that's how I still um, glaze. <laughs> I don't like to test yeah. glazes. I But, but your routine fits your personality, too, because yeah. it makes it so easy for you to produce the same thing. You're just like, I'm just going to mix up 10,000 grams of this base. And yeah. it could go to any color I want. Yeah, exactly. As long as I have the colorant and, like, that's going to save you money in the long term. And then... Right. As long as you and it also helps with, like, food safety thing. and stuff like that. I never really have a... Que- I still test everything that comes out that's new. But I never really have a question of whether it's f- food safe or not. So, that's really convenient. Nice. Is it yes. my turn? Yes. It's your turn. Ryan, tell us about your glazing extravaganzas. All right. So um, all throughout, like, learning in high school and studios and college and all that, everywhere that I went always had, like, buckets of five-gallon glazes that were mixed by recipes and stuff. So I never really used glazes out of, like, Amico Potter's Choice, like, cups of glazes. And I always did dipping. So That is something we have in common. Yes. Yeah. So I would say it's a lot of what you're exposed to. So I, I think just for those studios, like, it's so much more cost-effective to just mix up glazes and, hey, these are our glazes. Like, this is what you can use. And I was, you know, I was always making a lot of test tiles and just, you know, I was trying to figure out the good combinations of, you know, I know what the single glazes look like because you all look at the grid of the matrix on the wall that has the, you know, the single dip with this color and the second dip with this color. And you look at, like, how they're overlapped and, you know, the studios that have that, you can see that kind of stuff. Um, so you know what to expect. But I was like, all right, well, let's see what, it, you know, these two look like together or whatnot. So I was always kind of intrigued with making textiles and overlapping glazes and stuff like that. So. Um, that's kind of what I was exposed to early on. Um, and then when I was in college and stuff, we did have to mix up our own glazes in a primitive firing class where we had to basically just pick three ingredients and do a line blend of these three ingredients with different intensities of like however much of each one of them. So you can kind of see the basics of a glaze. So you can see, like, you know, what produces a really, really matte glaze that doesn't reach the firing, uh, the melting point, and then the very other end of that spectrum, which one has too much of that material that melts a whole lot. You know, I don't really remember all of that chemistry of those things, but it was shown us the science of, like, three basic components, and then you put them together in a certain ratio, and then you get a glaze that's, you know, glossy, you know, it, it doesn't craze, you know, it doesn't run and stuff like that. So we learned some of that and then we took out and split out from there and like picked that one. And then we did another blend of like that base, like Becca's saying, and then you added colorants to it to see what interesting colors you can get. Um, so that's kind of like the extent of the like experimenting I was doing with glazes. You know, I, that was just part of the class. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy doing all that from the very start all the time. Like with all these glaze recipes that are out there nowadays, I don't think it's really worth doing that unless you're trying to go for something super unique that, you know, is totally you. But I 
that's too much work for me to want to do all that for a gamut of six or eight glazes or whatever. Um, and then you got a lot more risk with like food safety and all that kind of stuff too. So, yeah. Um, that's kind of what I was exposed to a lot. And then when I graduated, I was getting my studio equipment and materials and, um, kilns and wheels and stuff. So a lot of the glazes that I use today have been inherited from the person I got my wheel from. So she had a set of maybe six glazes. So my bone glaze was from her floating blue is from her. Um, I had a raspberry glaze. that was from her. Um, Where is that? I don't use it because it's in a paint can. I've tried to reproduce it, but I haven't been able to get another raspberry glaze that comes out consistent like it because it's an oxidation fire. The ones that I've done from John Brett's book, I have not been able to get like a cranberry or raspberry red. Why didn't you ask me? I have a cranberry. Oh, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't really. I don't know. I was only using it for lining pots. I was... The only combination that I liked it with was really, like, the raspberry inside with floating blue outside, so it was, like, pretty dark, but mm. kind of like that. But I don't, yeah, it's not really my favorite, so. But I got maybe, like, five glazes from her. I think I got, like, a shiny blue that I, and then, like, a really, really shiny, like, bright white. And those were, like, okay, we'll toss those out. Like, I don't really like the shades of those. What? You got a shiny, like a bright really... white? Yeah. That's so good for dishware. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I just don't like it. I think it's boring. Oh, man. White's sexy. It's boring. Sexy. Okay, so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so a lot of that I inherited from her. And also the same with, like, the clay. Like, the the stoneware clay that I started with. Standard 182 clay. She just gave me a whole bunch of it. And I probably had 500 pounds of it that she gave me. Like, I just kind of inherited a lot of stuff when I bought that equipment. And that's kind of what I rolled with. So, isn't you know, that I didn't how have it to always go works? That. Yeah, I didn't have to go through that process of finding clay bodies and finding glaze recipes. But I did do some experimenting from here, which this might be the useful part that's not just inherited to me, I guess. Um, so I was using Pinterest a lot Privilege. at that time to like look at <laughs> look at glaze <laughs> recipes. So if you look on Pinterest, you can just look up like cone six oxidation glazes or something like that, and you'll find a lot of like cool test tiles of glazes oh and glazy.org is that right glazy.org yeah yeah so glazy.org is probably the better resource now but there's probably a lot of them from glazy there on pinterest Mm -hmm. so i was doing that to kind of like find colors that i liked um and then i probably mixed up two or three from that book or from that book from pinterest to i think that's where i got my juicy turquoise from and then I got my Strong Celadon, which is another green, which I don't really use now. I still have some in a bucket, but I need to phase it out because I had two greens already. So I'm um, doing a lot of that kind of thing. And then since then, really getting that John Britt book, I was like, okay, I've got this gamut of glazes. You know, I'm looking at what I want to add to it, to my, you know, series of options. And I was like, you know what, I could use like a brown I want some kind of like brown or amber celadon or something like that. So I looked in the book and I found a seltzer tomoku that was in there. Um, I mixed the base one up and then it had some test tiles on the page that had like two variations of it too with a little more magnesium dioxide, I think. So I was like, let me try a couple other tests with that where it's got, you know, a little more magnesium and then a lot more magnesium to see what it looked different. Um, 
so it produced like a little more of the like yellow flecks in it. So I went with kind of like a, a middle of the road one that wasn't the the basic seltzer tomoku. It's got a little bit more magnesium dioxide in it. So that's kind of the experimenting that I do nowadays is like, okay, I pick one out of the book and then I might add a little bit more or a little bit less of something to see like if it adds a little bit of variation to it. Yeah. And then the only other differences, I have two other glazes that I use that are specifically from Kentucky Mudworks, the Satin Black um, and the Inferno Red. The Inferno Red I just started using like maybe four months ago or something. Right. So I have one. I have one also that is from uh, Tacoma Clay Art Center that is their Raven. It's the Satin Black because I just don't – I just – I have seen all of my friends who go through the the satin black debacle and like making it food safe and mm-hmm. all that stuff and I just don't want to mess with that. I just I just don't. Yeah. We had a satin black at NKU that we used and I got that recipe but um it, the, the ingredients didn't really match with a lot of the ones that I already right. was using so I was like I don't really want to buy a whole bunch of ingredients cuz it you know a good glaze for me is like six ingredients maybe and it's a lot of the same things it's right. epk and feldspars and yeah you know, fritz and, and stuff like yeah. that it's pretty simple but this one had a lot of extra stuff that i don't have in the normal glazes yeah. that i mix up so also you know that was a factor for me yeah. i didn't want to have a ton of extra stuff also i should mention also um i don't know if we did mention but there's absolutely 100 percent no problem with buying glazes in my personal and unprofessional right. opinion. And we'll um, kind of talk about you here in a are... bit about prices and stuff too. Oh, wait. We have... You went away, so I kept talking. Um, we'll talk a little bit so about prices and where, you know, the differences but... in the cost. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I've got you now. So wait, say that again, the differences in the cost. So, we'll, yeah, we'll talk here about, like, differences in the prices. Like, I can give you an actual cost for my glazes I mix up myself and then compare that with a, you know, a glaze that I buy from Kentucky Mudworks and how much that costs. Yeah. If you have no problem paying the price, there's nothing wrong with using them. That's, I guess that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, um, we all pick the sides of, of clay that we want to get really invested in. And some people Mm -hmm. have no interest in making their own glazes. And that is totally okay. (laughs) If you don't claim to be a master potter, then why should you have to do everything that a master potter does? Um, which is another talk all in itself. Um, but um, I'm going to cough. So you say <laughs> something. Okay. So um, just for reference, in the, in, you obviously don't have to be to this state. Like, um, you know, Becca and I have grown over the years. You know, we're buying more ingredients in bulk. So we're getting a better understanding of right. like how much our glazes are costing us. You know, I've got certain ingredients that I'm increasing to where I'm, you know, I'm getting 50, 50 pound bags of nephline cyanide and like EPK and, right. you know, Custer Feldspar and stuff like that. So I'm driving the cost down over time um, because I'm comfortable with these glazes. I'm going to use them for a long time. So, you know, you may not be at this state. Like I started doing this because I was geeking out on the math and the the spreadsheet side of it. So, and I started um, doing it cause I had no idea there was any other option. <laughs> so, well, this was like an after the fact, I didn't, I didn't know how much my glazes cost until the last like year Yeah, when I 
did a little experiment. So, um, it, I'll give you the number that I pay for like a batch of my Kentucky Mudworks glaze. So my Inferno Red, if I buy that from Mudworks, I want to say the last time I bought it, it was like 25% off. And it was like $76 for a 10-pound bag of dry. That's insane. So if I were to multiply that by two, because usually my batches I mix up for 20 pounds. And that's about four gallons-ish. Um, so if we double that, you know, was that 140, $152. So $152 is what I'm comparing to. And if I take, let's go with my tried and true, like floating blue. That one with the ingredients that I buy cost me less than $30 for a five-gallon bucket of glaze. Yeah. So, obviously, there's more money factored in than just $30 because I spent a lot of time to, like, you know, you got to go buy the dry material. You've got to mix, mix it, it yourself. you got to make mean, sure part it's of that right. Price that you, yeah. Make sure you didn't you gotta put cobalt do in instead of copper, which I've done. Right. I mean, <laughs> part of that money is probably, like, storing it. Like, all that kind of stuff is factored into Kentucky Mudworks when they're pricing out a glaze. Like, they got to pay the people to mix it. They got to pay for the storage to house all the ingredients and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that kind of gives you a reference. So, I would say if you're mixing your own glazes, you're probably going to be saving money in the long term. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's also, like, at this state, this year I've been having, you know, an assistant in the last two years, uh, mix my glazes for me. So I pay them, you know, between 10 and $12 an hour to mix up a glaze. And they usually get a glaze mixed up for me, weighed out, weigh all the materials out, um, mix it, sieve it twice in like an hour and a half, maybe, maybe an hour. I don't sieve so, mine twice. I do. <laughs> do you think it helps? I don't know. I've just always done that. Obviously, you can't sieve it twice if you're, like, testing out 100 grams. I don't even sieve um, it if I'm testing out 100 grams. Yeah. You can't really sieve that small. I but... mean, you can. I have a little siever. It's a tiny one. I used to, and then I was like, screw this. It's like, not there's really a worth few, it. Like, my white, I have to sieve out. There's a few that I sieve out, but, man. Oh, also, pro tip. <laughs> I have a few pro tips for when you start getting involved in glazes. Pro tip number one. Buy dollar store toilet brush cleaners to mix your glazes. Yes. So nice. So handy. To stir them, you mean? Huh? To stir them? Yeah, to stir them. Yeah. Did I say store? You said to mix your glazes. Oh, yeah, to like I stir was just them. thinking like when we were saying mixing, I was thinking yeah. from raw materials. Oh, pro, t uh, pro tip number two, and I feel like it, I have to say this. Wear a mask. Uh, wear a Protect yeah, yourself. Yeah, wear a respirator when you're yeah. dealing with dry materials and powders. No, when you're dealing with the wet stuff, stuff, that's fine. Um, yeah. Pro tip number three. Really consider the boxes and the containers that you want your glazes to be in. Because I fire in, in five-gallon batches. I think, though, I'm about to up them to ten-gallon batches. And I've found over the years, I didn't cover mine at all when I was growing, like when I was growing up in the clay world, when I was like beginning, but now we cover them up every single day and it really, 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 really helps with buildup on the sides. Cover them up? You're saying you never like put a lid on your glazes, your five yeah, gallon bucket I, glazes? I would always leave them open. I use them every day. <laughs> oh. 
You didn't even like throw a lid on top and not snap it. You just left them open. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have lids. And that's also how oh. Tidbit fell in the glaze once while she was trying to get in the house. Oh no, I didn't hear that story. Yeah. I started oh. covering them. I did start covering them though when they were outside because um I would get leaves. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll happen. Oh yeah, so one time, here's a fun Tidbit story. Tidbit's my black cat. That wasn't my cat. She was actually my roommate's cat, but then I inherited her because he left. And um, he couldn't take her. Well, he couldn't find her <laughs> because she hid behind the dryer. Anyway, um, I we used to have a... So I, my glazing studio used to be on my front porch. I'd have, I had 10 glazes, and they'd all be down. I had a huge bucket from my slop glaze, which is the glaze that is conducted of all the different glaze water that we have. And then I had a huge bucket for my white glaze. I had the same bucket for years. And um, the cat door to get into the house was through the window. I had to like put a cardboard piece there and they would just walk through the window and jump onto the couch. And it was over the white glaze. And so... Oh no. (laughs) And so I used to put a little, like a a piece of wood on top of it so they could get in there. And I guess maybe one day I didn't put the piece of wood there or when, or it was like off a little bit and I came home and there was white paw prints all over the entire house. Like totally like in the kitchen, all over the couch, like up the stairs, like everywhere. (laughs) And then I found, (laughs) I found tidbit in the corner and she was covered in white glaze, like black cat covered in white glaze. And she looked so sad. And so then I had to wash her off and everything. But it was the funniest thing in the whole world. Oh, no. It's probably why she's the way she is, actually. <laughs> because of the glazing incident. <laughs> oh, gosh. Here you get so much flack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. But uh, I haven't so had have a cat falling putting... glaze since. Have you started putting lit? Do you use ten gallon buckets now for all of them? Oh, yeah. or you're saying you still use five gallons for all of your bu- your buckets? Hold on, he went away again. Okay, say it again. You still use five gallon buckets for all your glazes, and you're shifting to ten gallon ones now. Yeah, he, I started using five gallon buckets, and I have lids for them. And then I found these square buckets in, um, I found square buckets in Lowe's that are ten gallons. And they also don't have a hole where the lid attaches. You know how it always has the hooky thing on it? There's no hole. Mm. Um, and I use a 10-gallon bucket for the paint pot clear, and it's, like, it's awesome. And so um, I think I'm going to switch to the square ones if they are wide enough to fit planters in. Because right now the 10-gallon buckets are just wide, or 5-gallon buckets are just wide enough to fit planters in them. They need to be at least that wide. But the length is really nice for plates, like, because you can stick the whole plate in. You can't stick a 10-inch plate into a 5-gallon bucket. It's it's impossible. Mm-hmm. You have to pour it. So you're it. saying it's it's actually square, though? Yeah. It's just, like, a, squ- a well, round 5-gallon bucket, but it's... it's, rectangle, it's but oh, yes. it's rectangle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, a lot of my glazes now are five-gallon buckets. I did upgrade two of them to 10-gallon, like, trash cans. Yeah. That's that's what you should look for. If you're looking for bigger buckets, look for 10-gallon trash can. You're not going to find, like, I disagree. 10-gallon bucket. You will. It's not easy. Oh, yeah. Really? T- you just type in 10-gallon bucket? No, no, no. It's a 10-gallon... Ga- okay, sorry. I lied. It's a 10-gallon Rubbermaid. I found the Craftsman has a 10-gallon Rubbermaid container. It's black with a red lid. 
They sell them at Lowe's. And it does, okay. it's like all the way up, it's 10 gallons. I used it for okay. my mop, and it's awesome. Cool. See, I use, um, I asked for 10 gallon trash cans for Christmas last year. So I got two of those <laughs> for Christmas. Your wife's My mother like, and father-in-law really? got me trash cans oh, for Christmas. Okay, you're. <laughs> oh and my it gosh, was great. that's funny. That's one yeah. of those where they feel guilty. They're like, "We're just getting you trash cans." Like, I'm like, "No, I'm gonna appreciate these. Like, I'm gonna use them." I think the most ideal container is a 10 gallon horse trough. Personally, do they have lids for those though? No, but you, I use a big bat, but um. They don't have lids. You'd have to get like a wooden, like a piece of wood and use that. But um, that's what I have for my white because I use white more than any other glaze. And um, man, it's like the perfect container. Oh, I'll give you a pro tip for uh, finding other containers. So I just got a whole stack of like one gallon buckets. Yeah. Some with lids, some without. And then I got some that were three and like five gallon buckets with and without lids reach out to a local bakery because they probably have some and just tell them that you're like a local artist or hobby artist and you use them for mixing your glaze materials they're probably not gonna know what you're talking about but you can just actually honestly any restaurant offer to yeah like offer to buy them off of them i mean just compared to like lowe's if you go to lowe's you can buy a five gallon bucket brand new for like two Maybe three dollars with a lid. Maybe three fifty with a lid. Four. So just be like, hey, can I I'm looking for some buckets. Do you have any buckets I can buy off you for cheap or something? Don't offer you know, to offer buy them. them. Like, Don't be that person. No, you can say you're an artist and say like, do you have any to sell or else you seem like you're looking for free stuff, but I mean I mean you are looking for free stuff. I mean, I, you can do it that way. See if it works. Or you can offer money and say, do you have any to spare or something like that. Tell them that you'll wash their dishes like one night. You'll like wash their dishes for them. Or you can just get a batch of like get, you know, 40 buckets or 15 buckets for like 20 bucks. Like, yeah. So, um, the one I got it from, he actually had a daughter that went to the school that I go, I went to. So he was like, Oh, my daughter's in art there or whatever. So I was like, how much do I owe you? And he's like, Oh, you can have these. Yeah. So they, they're, they me. like just put them out in the, the alley anyway. My, I have tons of friends at restaurants and the, the pizza store always has their three gallon buckets. And I think they're from mayonnaise. Mayonnaise or probably like sauce or something. I would yeah, guess. mayonnaise or sauce. Yeah. I can't remember. And then the the place next door, they have them too. They're square buckets and they're awesome. The square buckets and they use them. Theirs are for sure mayonnaise. I get a sauerkraut bucket from my friend who has a deli. That smells yeah, bad if you that, leave it in your car yeah, too long. But it goes the away. The deli ones, I've got some pickle ones before. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's so many free buckets out there that, that restaurants don't want that they just end up tossing like the Mexican grocery store always has stacks of buckets. And, um, am I supposed to say, I, I, I might've I supposed to say it's the Hispanic food store. I apologize nah, if I offended anybody just now. Um, but so 
Anyway. And also, one thing you should consider... So, it's not bad to get, like, one-gallon buckets, especially when you're learning your glazes. Like, I'm, yeah. I want to say Kurt Hammerley probably uses one-gallon buckets exclusively because he has, like, 20 glazes. Oh, my God, so many. So, um, yeah, those are good. Consider the bottom of the bucket because if you use, like, a cat litter container that's got the little ridges and stuff, like, just think of how you're going to mix that up because the glaze, when it's solid, it's going to settle into those crevices. So keep that in mind when you choose buckets for long term because if you can't mix all that raw material up into the bucket, it's just going to coat itself down there and it might change the look of what the glaze ends up looking like. So consider that too Yeah. when you're choosing buckets. Totally. Buckets are a huge thing in a potter's world. <laughs> yeah but try and get free ones if you can i always get the ones from i think that the reason i've always done five gallons because when i started doing pottery i worked at sherwin williams so um (laughs) getting a five gallon bucket was no problem at all so right yeah all right anything else with glazing stuff this went on for this we're already at like 49 minutes i know this is crazy ryan was like it's only gonna take like a half an hour i'm like bullshit um (laughs) what else as you're learning and stuff um i like every time i mix a batch of glaze always have test tiles on hand like dip a couple test tiles in there just to test it out before you um you know do a firing before you glaze 25 pots with this glaze if you want becca probably doesn't (laughs) do that i'm like looking at him like um i've never done that (laughs) i actually have done that a few times thankfully thankfully on very new new glazes like if it's a glaze that i mix every couple weeks you know like if it's my red then i won't do a tester of it but if it's like a brand new glaze i'll do a test first and then i'll put it into production and i'm so glad we've done it because i've had a purple go totally south on me but so maybe we should talk about how do you how do you go about mixing your glazes yours is going to be very quick and or maybe i'll i'll talk about how i mix my glazes process wise and then you can tell me how you do yours so um i have everything weighed out dry put it all into a bucket mix it up so that it's not like one ingredient on top of the other on top of the other um the bucket that i'm going to eventually put it into i weigh out 20 pounds of water and I usually do 20 pounds of water to 20 pounds of glaze. I add the the dry material to the water, stir it up, stir it up, stir it up, stir it up until all the dry is in there. And then I put it through a sieve twice. We're very similar. And then I and then I test tile it. I didn't know if you, well, you only sieve it once, but I didn't know if you, I figured you probably put the dry to the water on top of the water, but I wasn't sure. Wait, you put the water on top of the dry? No, I add the dry to the water. If I've done it the other way, so I know I was the one the that told way, you that you were doing you, it wrong. <laughs> yeah, why? What? What's the difference in in the two, and why would you say to do it our way? Okay, well, the only reason that I do dry to water, which um, P.S. Most people are going to tell you to do water to dry because it creates less dust. I would beg to differ. I think that it creates dust regardless. Um, but um, I do dry to water because. Um, it'll, and I don't let it, I don't like stir it up when it's at the top. I let it sink to the bottom 
because if you're doing dry mm-hmm. to water, then every single bit gets wet. And I, keep in mind, I didn't learn how to mix glazes from anybody in particular. So, like, this could be completely wrong, but it's the way both of us do it. So, um, I wouldn't do this with a small, like, test batch. That's not going to work as, no. as well. You're kind of going for consistency when you're testing it out. You're trying to yeah. figure out the right thickness of the glaze and stuff but like that. But I definitely do not measure my water because I, I wouldn't, I don't even, I wouldn't even know where to start with that. So I just fill it up about over half and then, <laughs> and then I um, add the dry to the water. I let it sink down just like if you were going to make plaster of Paris like molds and then... Um, and then mix it up. I've done it the other way where you put the water in the dry and it's so hard to mix it. It's like you have to put your mixer because we use electric mixers on a drill. You have to like put your mixer all the way in there and then you've got like clumps and it's impossible. Right. It's impossible. Like I don't know how people do that, honestly. Just think of, yeah, just, if you want to think of it like when you put water on top of it, there's water pressure pushing down on the dry so the only way for the water to get down you know, there. like integrate with it has to have air that displaces yeah. so that the water can dive down into the dry yeah. and then disperse. It won't just naturally you know get absorbed yeah. vertically down the bucket. So um yeah. For us that's the easiest way to do it. I don't know how long it would actually take for the water to just soak into the dry. It would Not die. For, it manner. would like become a rock before it did that. It would take forever, right? So, yeah, that's why I prefer yeah, to put the dry on the on the wet, and um, also, uh, yeah, like I said, I like to let it sink in first so that there is a significantly less dust. Um, yeah. So you you kind of dump on maybe. I, f- like I fan a it measuring out. cup worth yeah at a time and then it kind of like is like a little iceberg and then it just kind of disintegrates and kind of sinks down yeah yeah and then do you do you just have a paint mixer there with you on a drill yep. that you're stirring as it dives down okay yep yeah that's probably a good way to get going with one it. scoop at a time and i scoop and stir all at the same time usually I mean, and if you have a second set of hands that's willing to help you and you have two respirators, then have somebody dump some of the, you know, bag or bucket of dry as you're stirring and it'll kind of integrate as you stir. Yep. Um, I've heard of people having like fans on their glazing tables and it like sucks up all of the like chemicals and stuff. I don't have that. I do have my glazing area in a completely different section though. Um, kind of on purpose, just kind of, I mean, like I crank it. my like air purifier when I'm mixing glazes and stuff so that it, you know, filters out the dust, right. but, but yeah, you kind of get better over time. Um, I don't do anything with specific gravity. I know you don't, Definitely you can get one of those hydro. I don't even weigh out, I don't do even like stuff. weigh out my water. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the way that the way that I weigh out my water, I have one of those kitchen scale, like those old kitchen scales that is like, you know, it's got the nice big, like yeah. eight inch, you know, dial, and then you have the big square top to it. So, um, I just put the bucket on there. I kind of tear out the bucket, and then just p- dump water on it for twenty pounds worth. You can figure out the math for like ounces. 
um, 16 ounces is one pound of water. So yeah, you could just multiply that by how much, how much you need. So if you want to do that route or you can just guesstimate it once you mix your glaze a lot and, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. I keep all of, all of my glazes are in a spreadsheet. I just have one spreadsheet with one tab per glaze. I think I have I, that now too. It does all the c- calculating for me. So I, you know, I built all that out and then, you know, I changed the total number. So if I don't want 10,000 grams, I want, you know, a 500 gram, I can change that. And then all the math will figure itself out and it'll give me yeah. the exact numbers based on the percentages. That's easy. So mine's not like that. If you but, want, I can, yeah. <laughs> if you want, I can share that with you. You just email me at ryandurbanceramics at gmail.com and I'll send that to you. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm not that. I mean, I honestly, like I <laughs> have the computer program and I printed it out. But the only reason I put mm-hmm. it in the computer was because you yelled at me and told me, what if your house burns down? And then I'd be shit out of luck on the glazes. But I wouldn't <laughs> because I already know the base. But, um, but yeah. So I just, uh, I still really just write things in a book. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I still write things down. Like when I'm having my assistant mix it up, I'll still write like, okay, this is the glaze. This is 10,000 grams. And this is how many of each ingredient. So they can yeah. check things off a list because. Yeah. I print it out and have a checkbox. But then, you know, when you, like when we made our aqua, I like wrote on the bottom. And so then I have to flip through and then they're like, wait, is this a red aqua? <laughs> it's a total mess. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. my, my, like somebody was mixing glazes and. And she was like, wait, is this it or is this it? And I'm like, I don't know. And then like um, sometimes when I run out of material, like I ran out of black stain once for my black glaze. And so then I just put less in and I was like, eh, we'll see what happens. And that um, turned into my galaxy blue. And then when I did that, I documented it, but I didn't put any words. I just wrote 218 <laughs> like oh above the number. And she's like, so how much do I put in? <laughs> and I'm like, see that? That's the number. <laughs> I'm so bad. Jeez. <laughs> That's funny. I've messed up so many ten like five gallon batches of glaze. Luckily I have not really. But I mean, as as new people are mixing it, like if I have a new assistant that mixes glaze, you know, I'm definitely gonna have them do a test tile just to double check that before I use it. I mean, usually you can tell from like the color of the glaze because you mix it up enough. You kind of know what color to expect the yeah. batch to look like. That's a good thing to eyeball. But yeah, yeah th- there's a, had to be a ton of science to it. If you want to science out and like get all specific gravity and measuring and getting everything exact. I mean, I measure my ingredients exact, but like the look and the thickness and the consistency of the glaze is just kind of from experience of like how thick it should be yeah. and then as you use it you're like oh well this runs a lot you know maybe i want to let it sit out for a day or so and or no add water that's the opposite. maybe you want to add water to it instead of letting it set out um if it's too thin you could just leave the lid off for a few hours and it'll evaporate some so yeah, yeah. okay we should probably be done yeah right at 60 minutes right at right. an hour thanks everybody for listening bye guys and we'll see you next time yeah bye hey guys thank you so much for listening to the podcast i hope that you enjoyed it if you want to follow me or ryan you can follow us on our instagrams my instagram is 
Five Lines Pottery Studio. It's the number five. And his Instagram is at RD Ceramics. That's R as in Ryan, D as in Durbin, Ceramics. And we would love for you to follow us. But we would also love it if you gave us a review on, on whichever platform that you're listening on. And if you tell your friends. We really enjoy doing this. And we hope that we can do it some more and have some great conversations. Thanks.